Hey, St. Paul, Happy New Year. Tommy and I are back for uh, the last two chapters of Richard Foster's book uh, entitled The Celebration of Discipline. Tommy, thank you for joining us. You're certainly welcome, John. Glad to be here. It is a wonderful time to be together. And what better way to kick off the new year than to talk about the discipline of guidance, the discipline of guidance. And Tommy, I think Richard does an amazing job uh, by the order that he places these in, because the discipline of guidance, I mean, it's so strategically placed, isn't it? It sure is, John. One of the things that I uh, I was thinking about this this morning, what you just said, strategically placed in these disciplines and doing these podcasts and talking about the different disciplines, every one is designed to put us in a place where God can transform us into the creature that he created. And that, to me, is why... Uh, what you just said validates the point because when you you think about guidance, when you think about uh, high school and college, you had guidance counselors. That's right. That's right. And they were there to guide us along a path that we should follow and that was gleaned through their experiences and the knowledge of who we are. And that's exactly what we're talking about here, is throughout these, these disciplines, if we had followed what Foster is telling us in these different disciplines, then we place ourselves in a position to let God create in us the man or the woman that he created. Now, I think that's such a wonderful point, Tommy. Uh, when I think of raising children, um, one of the things that uh, I find myself telling them over and over again is, hey, listen, I have 30 years experience on you. I, I have been down a road that you have yet to go down. Listen to my advice. Let me give you some guidance here of what to expect, what to avoid. And that is such a, a, a great illustration when you talk about guidance counselors speaking on their experience we find ourselves pushing back on God and God's like taking us by the shoulders and gently saying, Hey, listen, I see it. I, I, I am outside of time and space. I see the future. I see the past. I see what, uh, what is, what is in store for you. I see the blessings. I, I see the troubles. I see the pitfalls. Allow me to give you guidance. Allow me to, uh, give you, uh, um, gentle proddings in, in your spiritual walk. Yes, John. One of the things he points out into this is a spiritual director. Now, just think about in the corporate world, we have CEOs, CFOs, COOs, all kind of C's there. Chief financial officers, chief executive officer. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we just said, okay, God, you're the chief executive officer of my life. I'm to follow what you tell me to do. That's not easy to do, Tommy, is it? Because we push back on anything that is contrary to what we think our aspirations should be and what we think should happen. I mean, it's like kids on a playground. 
You know, it's so uh, egocentric. It's about me. I'm in first. I'm going to be first and I'm going to do this. And that's not easy for us to do when it comes to asking guidance. I think Foster even says it's one of the most radical disciplines because it goes to the heart of this matter of walking with God. Yes. And that goes back to surrendering our will to his. And that is not an easy thing to do. We, we spoke about this earlier in one of the earlier disciplines, and we sometimes think that we are much smarter than God is and that God is not in control, we are. We have our own little fiefdom that we live in, and we want to control that. I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. I think that is uh, certainly the case, that, uh, but I, I think it's, it's tied to also, Tommy, the idea that can I be confident in my uh, trust and faith that God will do the right thing in my mind and in the right way and in the right time? So there's those two things that are pulling us away, which I believe is deeply rooted with our sinful nature and, and how we're wired. But it is, it is difficult to do, and I find myself doing it all the time. Yes, and... You know, we go back to to Paul's mention in Romans about I do the things that I don't want to do. And why do I do that? And you just spoke about that. That's our sinful nature. That's our nature to want to do those things. And, you know, we say, okay, guidance. We know as parents and as children growing up in a parental home, uh, we always wanted things and sometimes our parents would say no and we would just fly off the handle and go off and pout and why why the why was they knew better they knew that it was not a good path for us to follow to do that whatever it might be and and that's the same way with god and so where do we find the source of guidance the bible he gives us that it's a gift Guidance is a gift from God. It's not a task that we need to accomplish. It's a gift. And we need to grasp the idea and remember that when we sit down and read the Bible, we're actually in the presence of God. Absolutely. And if we would understand that and accept the fact that when we open the Bible to whatever book we're we're studying or, or reading, we are actually in the presence of God, and He is speaking to us. It's so true that when people open up the Scriptures, it's hard not to find yourself reading it as, as someone from a distance. The Scriptures were preserved through the Holy Spirit and inspired through the Holy Spirit uh, to stand the test of time and... And we don't stand on the margins as we read scripture. We, we actually are participants that are going on here. And, and what's interesting about guidance, guidance is not a suggestion. When, when, we, when we talk about guidance counselors, in one sense, yes, we had guidance counselors, but they really made suggestions. They really made the path open, made it easy, told us what we need to do and and what steps need to be accomplished to get to that goal. Foster alludes to this, 
guidance is that glorious moment of hearing and obeying God's voice. I mean, we hear God's voice. That's one thing. But guidance is actually obeying God's voice because what actually is the ultimate goal is that through the hearing, obeying that comes through worship and that comes through confession and that comes through prayer, comes through meditation, comes through fasting, that these become a part of who we are. And they guide us in such a way that that as we respond to it, we are obeying those words and we get closer to who God wants us to be. It's a beautiful connection, but I don't want us to, to see the discipline of guidance as just knowing the rules or knowing what God's will is or knowing the scripture. It is more than just knowing. It is taking those and molding your life and our life and our own kingdoms of influence around those so that they become one. Absolutely. Think about your best friend that you've had for years and years and years. You've become a friend and you become aware of what that friend is to you. He may be a friend that you can confide in He may be a friend that you uh, love to do different things with, like play golf or go out to dinner, whatever it might be. But you really know that friend, and that friend knows you. And you can go to that friend and, and maybe just say, Hey, John, I've got a problem. I'd just like to pass by you and get your, get your counsel on this, whatever it might be. And if, God, if John is a true friend, he's, he's going to tell you the truth right. because he knows you. He knows your personality. He knows how you react to different things. So he acts as somewhat of a guidance counselor there because you've asked him to. That's the key word. You have asked for his counsel. And if John is a true friend to me, He's not going to flatter me. He's not going to say, hey, Tommy, that's okay. Everything is going to be all right. He said, well, Tommy, maybe, you may, maybe think about this. And that's how we need to view God as a friend. He wants us to have that relation to him as a father to a son or a father to a daughter, as a friend that we can kick down the barriers that prevent us from having that relationship with him where we can go to him with anything, however big or small. One of the key verses in Psalms 32, I love this. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Now just think about that. Let that sink into your psyche. I will advise you and watch over you. And in Psalm 25, God, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. So, What David is saying here, God, 
I'm open. Please help me. He's asking God for guidance because he has that relationship with God and he doesn't have any barriers between himself and God. I think what's so amazing is how God uses scripture, God uses experiences, God uses the community of faith, all to become instruments of his voice. I read a book, it's by Dallas Willard, it's called Hearing God. One of the things that's so difficult for people and and people push back against when it comes to their Christian faith is, what is it all about when it comes to hearing the voice of God? They find themselves deficient, he writes, and, and even people whose experiences with God were not lacking people who live a richly interactive life find themselves as outsiders looking from the outside in uh, upon those people who say, well, I heard God speak in this way. And they find themselves in many ways reducing the act of hearing God to the notion of listening for a sound of an audible voice, but close communication with God it's it's always this two-way street. It's in our ongoing relationship with God that we tell him what is on our hearts in prayer, and then we learn to perceive what he is saying to us. And it's this second part of that two-way conversation with God that is found by many of us that is so difficult. We know how to go to God and say, I need this, or God, help me in this place. But it is such a large leap to listen, to see what God might be saying to us. Scripture becomes one of those foundational benchmarked cornerstones for us when it comes to hearing what God wants, especially when we look at those promises of God. It comes through other people. It comes through experiences. But we can be sure that God is speaking to us and that process is germinated and nurtured and, and, and it grows out of a life of experience. Um, what we want to do is move from communication one way to where we approach God, we feel confident that we can ask God, to the next step where we are perceiving and listening to what God might be saying to us as the guidance. And then taking that and ultimately getting into a place where we are actually acting upon it. We are actually um, living into what Dallas Willard says, into a life greater than our own, that of the kingdom of God. And it does not happen like you turn on a light from a light switch. It happens through the muddiness of life. Exactly. Remember in our discipline of meditation. And let's, let's talk about this listening to God. Sometimes we get into the habit of our own agendas with God. We ask, we ask, we ask, but we never take the time to just relax and listen. We ask him, which he wants us to do, but do we ever listen to him? And we can listen to him through, you alluded to, other people. The corporate discipline of guidance. 
through maybe Bible study or through Sunday morning sermons from you and Shane or from Christian friends that we know have the Spirit of God living in them. And if we can grasp the idea that to ask God for something and then turn it over to him, and we, we go back to uh, the, in Genesis, when Abraham and Sarah, you know, God said, I will give you a They're son. They're trying to take their uh, God's promise and, and, and work it out for and God. Manipulate it <laughs> yes. to their own death. Uh, well, we, God, we you don't might need wait. our help. <laughs> we don't want to wait. So what happens? Uh, they take issues in their own hand. And it's just that point of waiting for God to talk. And he might not talk to us for a year. Or he might say, Tommy, listen to me. Do it now. Live in that present moment, like Brother Lawrence said. Mm -hmm. I can listen to God by washing the dishes. Of course, we got dishwashers now. That, uh, you know, that's pretty much beside <laughs> the point. But uh, in anything we do, if we will, and we talked about this last last time in the in the discipline of worship. You know, we can worship God at a stoplight, right? Or we can ask God to guide us to the next meeting at a stoplight. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, so whether you eat or drink, you do it all to the glory of God. And I think about as a parent, you know, God identifies us as his children. We see that in 1 John 3, 1, one of the most marvelous declarations is uh, the exceeding love of God is packaged in him calling us his children. And that is, that is just a marvelous, a marvelous uh, imagery. But I think of, of my children and, you know, if I think really what makes me so proud of my children at moments is when I give them advice, I give them guidance, and they actually act upon it and they live into it. It's as simple as maybe teaching Katie Grace to say thank you out in public and say yes ma'am and no sir and be very polite right and right. i get i get proud and i'm I, I get i'm very proud of that i mean that's that's a wonderful now you know katie bar the door when it comes to home mm -hmm. you know <laughs> yeah we just we're just working on out in public now but you think about uh god saying whatever we do whether we eat or drink what paul is saying here we do it to the glory of god that is so intricately woven into hearing what God is saying through scripture or through uh, other things, just discerning through experience, through worship and adoration and acting upon it and living into it. And whether it goes our way or to the highway, we give God glory. We're confident that it didn't take God by surprise and that God acts. I come back to the point that we must understand that God is in control of everything, and we are not smarter than God. And I'm reminding of Genesis 24, and it's when Abraham is asking his servant to go find Isaac a wife. So he does not want Isaac to marry a Canaanite woman. So he gives him the mission to go find Isaac a wife. So the servant says, and Abraham says, their angel will provide a path for you. So you remember the story. The servant comes to the well, and on the way he says this, O Lord, 
the God of my master, make this mission a success. There's that invitation. There's the invitation. That's the asking. Make this mission a success. And as the story unfolds, he comes to the well, and here's Rebecca coming, and he says, would you give me a drink of water and my camels? And the answer is, yes, I will. That's the answer to the mission right there. So why not take that little sentence, oh, Lord, grant me success in this mission today, whatever it might be. It might be a job interview. It might be a marriage proposal. It might be whatever it is in the business of the corporate world or in an issue we're dealing with with family. And then just let it go and let him talk to us. Let him, let him guide us. But no, our human nature is just to go forward like a bull in a china shop. I'm going to handle this. I can handle this. And when we come to God after being a bull in a china shop, we look at God as some kind of crystal ball or some kind of ATM that, you know, okay, I'm going to go to God now. You see, the whole purpose of our walk in faith is not to look at God as some kind of cosmic Santa Claus or some kind of uh, housekeeper that's going to come in and clean up after our mess. You know, we put on the outside of our door, do not disturb when we think everything's going right. And then we turn it over when there's a mess that we invite God in. It is learning to hear the voice of God, learning to live in that guidance, that discipline of guidance is so much more about becoming comfortable in this continual conversation and learning to lean on the goodness and the love of God every day. It's not a once and done. It's not another notch on our belt. It's not another tick on the wall. It is about this continual relationship with God. I truly believe, Tommy, that deep in our hearts, we all want to find and we want to fulfill a purpose that is bigger than ourselves. I think that there is this desire. And I think many times where we default to is that it rises and falls on our own shoulders. I mean, what we need is this moment where we step back, we see it from a different vantage point, that our walk with God is a daily moment by moment communion. Wherever we find ourselves is this invitation that we invite God in and then we listen. We listen. And what we hear, Tommy, I believe that God answers us in the same way that he answered the Israelites in the Old Testament. He, in the Old Testament, over and over again, identified himself with a promise and a history lesson. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of captivity. And if we listen, he'll say the same thing. I want you to know, Tommy, you, you are my child. I am the Lord, your God, and I have brought you out of the land of captivity, of doubt, of fear. We need to gravitate towards every moment, that promise and that history lesson that God gives us. I am your God. Exactly, John. Why not find joy 
in a relationship with God? Why not find peace in a relationship with God? I don't think God placed us here to not have peace and joy. I agree. One of the things that we can do before we ever set foot out of the bed every morning is just to lie there for a few minutes and thank God for another day. And whether it's raining or whether it's sunshine or whether it's just despicable weather, it's his day. Why not just ask God to let your presence dwell powerfully in me today in everything that I do? Manifest that presence in everything I do in life, whether it's my family, whether it's a phone call, whether it's with friends, whether it's with my children, whatever it is. Please make your presence known. Let the Holy Spirit be our guide. And we go to look Galatians 5, I believe, in the fruits of the Spirit. That's right. And if we will allow the Holy Spirit to be our guide, then we have those fruits of the Spirit. And not only that, but it's the ripple effect. Other people see us. And as I said last time, the night has a thousand eyes. People watch us, and if we profess to be Christians, they watch us. And if we will let God be our guide and our CEO, I think we can find that joy and that peace in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Tommy, that's a great word to end this uh, episode today. I ask you who are listening, when you ask God, do you really expect God to act Do you expect God to respond? I mean, there is uh, this invitation that as we enter into that throne room, we do so with confidence, knowing that we're welcomed and that we have God's attention. It's our prayer that as you live into this, that your eyes will be opened through the power of the Holy Spirit to see glimpses of grace all around you, God's marvelous and rich grace that he has lavished upon you. So may it be for you. God bless.